in every way, we live in a culture that is preoccupied with the American dream, with pursuing success, with building wealth, with doing all of these things that are really the antithesis of what we are taught and how we're taught to live in Scripture. And so, y'all, we have to guard our hearts and guard our minds in Christ so that we would stay focused on the things of God despite living in a culture that really focuses on all of the opposite things. Hey ladies, this is Christy Young with The Gritty Gospel. I am super excited about what we get to talk about today because it's all about a unique sort of bondage, the American dream. And I personally am coming from a place of humility and man, but experience in that I feel like I pursued everything that I thought I desired. I chased the American dream, my American dream, my dream, and then saw very quickly that from a biblical perspective, from a biblical worldview, it was very empty. I was chasing everything that we are taught and told by the culture is beautiful and desirable and valuable, and yet it was empty. And so I'm wondering how many of y'all feel the same way. And then I want to encourage those of you who are busy at home and have never pursued education or higher education or career and wonder if the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And I just want you to know that it's not. I want you to know that if you are a believer and you love the Lord, there is no more fruitful labor for you, mama, than being at home with your kids, discipling, teaching, training, and then engaging in ministry with anyone that the Lord would put in your path. James Truslow Adams actually coined the term the American dream in 1931, and he described it as this, that dream of a land in which life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone with opportunity for each according to ability or achievement. It is not a dream of motor cars and high wages merely, but a dream of social order in which each man and each woman shall be able to attain to the fullest stature of which they are innately capable and be recognized by others for what they are, regardless of the fortuitous circumstances of birth or position. And so this is beautiful. Really, Adams is defining the American dream as in an idealistic manner, saying that this is not about high wages, this is not about motor cars, this is not about materialism, is basically what he's saying. This is really about every man and every woman being able to achieve his or her highest and best uh, based upon their merit, their work ethic, their creativity, and the sky's the limit as, as far as achievement goes, as long as you pull up your sleeves and you go to work. And so, and then you would not have some sort of ceiling based upon your, the circumstances of your birth or position. So I think that's beautiful that that is the definition of the American dream. And, but let me tell you that dream, I don't know that we would define that dream the same way today because the American dream has come so far in, and I believe that more and more people look at it in a materialistic light. Uh, that now it would be owning a home. The American dream might be defined as owning a home now, having a dog and a white picket fence or 2.5 children. And it's less idealistic now and it's more materialistic. The American dream really centers about, around what we might own or where we might live or what level of success we might have. And then at the very center of that is our pride that really we desire to live lives of comfort and ease 
And it's not that even, it's not that rest is bad or that enjoying God's blessings are bad. But when that becomes our primary, the primary thing we seek, the primary thing we chase, when the American dream becomes the center of our world, such that all of our lives revolve around our careers, then there's something wrong. If we claim to be believers and identify as believers then and followers of Christ, then the very center of our world necessarily has to be, needs to be Christ and living on his mission, desiring to live a life engaged in ministry, even though we will live that out. Every one of us will live that out differently. Uh, For me as a homeschool mom, it's going to look different than my husband, uh, who is an attorney, than for my good friend, who's a speech pathologist, than for another friend who's a police officer. We take all of the natural giftings that God's given us, and then we go to work uh, out of love, out of a great love for what he's done for us, we go use the gifts he's given us to go to work for those of us who work outside the home or in the home. I mean, everywhere we're working, we are working for the Lord and aiming to teach people about the Lord and to share the gospel and to love people well, to, I don't know, to live lives that would beget questions from others about why we do the things that we do because they look so different from an onlooking world. I am incredibly thankful that we as women have the right to vote, that we have the right to an education, that we have the right to work. I'm so thankful for those things. However, I also see that there's a huge trap in the American dream. We can get so caught up in our idea of success or our desire for success or to make a name for ourselves that we literally abandon our posts at home and then neglect our children, neglect the ministry that God has put before us as a primary ministry for us in the name of pursuing the American dream. And I think that's a dangerous place to be. It's dangerous for us and it's dangerous for our kids because if we are if we are wholeheartedly pursuing the American dream, then that means we aren't engaged in discipleship or training the training of our children. And so they will be discipled by someone and they are being discipled by someone um, all throughout the day. And their worldviews are being created, are being crafted and nurtured by someone. And they might be biblical, they might not. I don't know. It depends on the worldview of the, the worldviews of the people that they're around. I want to dig right into the parable of the sower. And this is found in Matthew chapter 13. Well, it's found in several places in scripture, but here we're gonna we're we are gonna read Matthew 13, 1 through 9. And then the parable of the sower is explained in verses 18 through 23. And so I'm going to just dig right in. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down, while the whole crowd stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. And so the disciples were perplexed and they asked the Lord to explain these parables. And then notice, notice ladies, that there are four places that the seed was thrown on the path, on the rocky ground, 
on in and amongst thorns and then some on good ground. And each of these different types of gravel or ground uh, indicate and represent different types of heart conditions that exist in the world and in hum- among humans. Okay, so verse 18 says this. So listen to the parable of the sower. And this is Jesus talking, responding to them. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root and is short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on the good ground, this is one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. In this parable, the seed is the word of God. So the word of God is being sown in on four different types of ground. The seed that's scattered along the path, birds come and quickly devour it, and it's taken away. And Jesus says that that is the, that seed that's scattered on the path, um, the evil one quickly comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. That the word of God does not have time to take root and for the belief, that person to become a believer because the evil one quickly snatches it away. That was the path. Then there's some that falls on rocky ground where it doesn't have much soil and the plant or the seedling appears, to, it grows up quickly because the soil is not deep. But when the sun comes up, it quickly becomes scorched. This is the one, Jesus says, who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, instantly is receptive to the word. But when distress or persecution come because of the word, because he has no root, because it was sown on rocky ground and there is really no soil, no depth for any roots to really dig in deep and grab hold, then when di- that's when distress, when distress or persecution come because of the word, immediately he falls away. Then thirdly, there's another seed that falls among the thorns. And then the thorns come up and choke it. So the thorns come and choke the word of God. Uh, you know, the thorns would be native to that ground. The thorns would have already would have already been there and been rooted and probably had good strong roots in that ground. And this is what Jesus says about that. Now the one that's sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And so the thorns, you, lady, you guys, are like the, are our worries and the deceitfulness of wealth, that we would be so preoccupied by our worries or our desire for wealth, the deceitfulness really of wealth, that those concerns, those thorns come in and choke out the word in our lives, and then we become unfruitful. And again, so that's the third type of ground, the thorns. And then finally... There's the good ground. That's the good heart condition, a a softened heart condition to the word of God. This is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields. The good ground is the one where the seeds can take root, deep roots, and there is a good amount of soil, and they have the right amount of water and sunlight. And so these become very strong plants, 
And these are the and this is likened to the believer. There is good soil, and this the seed is sown on good ground. And that really means that the Lord has prepped a person's heart, primed their heart to receive the word of God and to be receptive to the word of God. And we don't do that on our own. That is all his work. He does that in our hearts. But as I look around uh, in the culture, I'm super convicted that a lot of us, many Americans, and I would even argue many American churchgoers, that there are many people who attend church who have had seed that's been sown among the thorns, that they are people who have allowed the worries of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, to come in and choke the word in their lives, making them unfruitful. Because we're unfruitful, really, because we're pursuing the world. And I saw it, and I saw it myself. I easily could be someone now who would who could just pursue the world, have been pursuing career full-time, um, and neglecting, simultaneously neglecting the discipleship of my kids, and uh, neglecting my own spiritual growth and maturity, neglecting the Word of God, neglecting all of the disciplines, really, of um, that are necessary for spiritual growth, uh, just being involved in ministry, breaking bread with the other believers, and those things are so important. But And if we're pursuing career at all costs with a single mind, then we don't have time for anything else, really, and the things of God fall substantially down our to-do list. In this parable of the sower, John MacArthur actually has great commentary that talks about the thorns that would be those things that do come in and choke out the word of God in our lives, making us unfruitful. And he says this, there's other life there that's much more advanced, much stronger and natural to that soil. Whereas the seed, which is the word of God, is unnatural. And so he's saying that the, the, the seed that's being planted is the word of God. It's unnatural to the soil, right? But there is already stuff in the soil that is natural to that soil, including the thorns. The thorns are already there and are already taking root. They already exist in the soil. And then he continues. It is the foreigner. So the seed, the word of God, is the foreigner to the already established weeds and thorns. This good seed can't survive in this double-minded man. This person is consumed with the temporal, consumed with the world, sinful pleasures, sinful longings, desires, ambitions, career, money, home, car, prestige, whatever, that, whatever it is that crowds out the true seed. This is the preoccupied worldly heart swept up in the deceitfulness of riches. You guys, I feel like this is super sobering for us because it, we have got to be alive despite what the culture is doing. We have got to keep blinders on so that we can stay focused in the word of God, so that we can petition the Lord to keep us close to him, despite living in a culture that is saturated with self-promotion, self-sufficiency, self-exaltation. In every way, we live in a culture that is preoccupied with the American dream, with pursuing success, with building wealth, with doing all of these things that are really the antithesis of what we are taught and how we're taught to live in Scripture. And so, y'all, we have to guard our hearts and guard our minds in Christ so that we would stay focused on the things of God despite living in a culture that really focuses on all of the opposite things. I would like to share something about my own story in the event that it might encourage any of you listening. When I was really wrestling with whether or not to continue to work full time, 
very quickly, the Lord showed me that what I was really wrestling with was whether I wanted to make more money, continue to make a good, a really substantial income. I was the breadwinner of our family. So I, I made the bulk of the money that we brought into the house. And then I'd worked so hard and so long for my career that I deeply desired it. And then we were, we had been, you know how it is, you go through college and you don't have a ton of money. Then you go through law school and we had just gotten married. So we had very little money. And then we finally start working and I'm like, finally, we can actually like buy furniture that is not hand-me-down, hand-me-down, hand-me-down furniture. Things that we could actually like, like things that we might actually like instead of just what we could you know, we were grateful for anything we had gotten previous to that. And then to be able to, even to buy a little car that would be, and we bought a used car, but it was a new to us car. You know, it's like we were just finally like being able to breathe in life and beginning to make money. And then all of a sudden it was very clear to me that the Lord was calling me out of my career as we gave birth to my first daughter. And I was like, really, but my inner dialogue with the Lord was like, you've got to be kidding me. Surely you are not calling me to this. And so I wrestled over weeks and really months with the Lord. And really I was disobedient is what that was. As I look back in hindsight, because I was so desiring to hold on to the fleshly things. I wanted my career because it gave me value in the eyes of the world. And I, I also wanted my career because I made a lot of money and then I desired to get out of debt one, but I desired to build a nice house. I desired to drive a nice car. I desired to have nice clothing and nice. I loved my high heel shoes and I don't know. I just enjoyed the lifestyle that it gave Larry and I. I loved it that we could eat out whenever we wanted to. That was awesome. And so there were just things about it that I really, really enjoyed. And so when God began wrestling with my heart, really calling me home, I really fought back. And then over, you know, probably two or three months, I realized, wow, what I'm really analyzing is whether I want, whether I want more money and want to pursue, continue to pursue what I've been working for for so long and to continue to pursue my education, even in my career, you know, like continue to uh, learn about trademarks, copyrights, patents, corporate law. If I wanted to continue to get better at my craft and pursue success in that area and make money or whether I wanted to be able to come home and disciple my kids and my child at the time. I really think, you know, people at work thought I was crazy even considering it because we made so, I literally made so much money. I made a six figure salary at that time and that was 12 years ago. Man, that was a lot of money and I was very grateful and I was, and I enjoyed the people I worked with. I enjoyed my firm. I'm so grateful to my firm and man, I just, but looking back, it seems very clear to me that the Lord was calling me out of my career to be obedient to him, to disciple his children who he's blessed me with. They're my kids, but they're really his kids for all of eternity. And they've been his. They are his. And man, but I, I was so humbled because I realized very quickly that, man, really, Christy, what you're wrestling with is sinful. You desire things of the flesh more than you desire to invest for eternity. God's calling you to invest in your daughter for eternity, to impact your kids and your family for eternity. God's calling you to lay down the money the career, the success, the 
all of the esteem, the confidence that you have because of what you do. He's calling you to lay all of that down because you are his daughter and he has given you a mission. And it's to come home and to be obedient to him and to pour into your kids. And man, y'all, I wrestled. I wrestled like crazy. But then it was very clear to me that that is exactly what he was calling me to do. I jumped. But can I tell you, Mark 4, 4 18 and 19 became super personal to me because it, it like a sword, it pierced me to the heart uh, because I feel like Jesus was talking to me in these verses. This is what Mark 4, 19 says, 18 and 19. Others are like seeds sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And so, ladies, I don't want us to miss this because I don't want, I don't want you or me to be the soil that is the thorns where the word of God, the seed of God is planted, but then the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Because, can I tell you ladies, the people who whose heart condition is consumed with thorns, they are unfruitful. They don't bear, th- bear fruit for the kingdom of God. They are not saved. And that is sobering to me and disturbing to me and scary to me. And so I, and I don't want to be a person who has thorns, a thorny heart condition, a thorny soil that where I would hear the word of God, but then be so, have such a desire, be so preoccupied and swept up desiring to pursue the world that I would let that seed fall on my heart. And then I would do nothing in response because I'd be so preoccupied with the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, or, and in my case, my desire, my idolatry, I'd really created an idol of my salary. I was so swept up in my salary that I could have easily not borne fruit for the kingdom of God. And then uh, the desires for other things, like literally verse 19 says, the desires for other things can enter in and choke the word. Literally, we can spend our lives so desiring other things, whether it's, and they can be good things, benign things that would be benign except that we've made an idol of them, right? Like our desire for the next vacation, our desire to be able to eat out whenever we want to, our desire for the next big, for the next house, our desire for our next vehicle, our desire for those next pair of shoes or that next purse or you name it, you've got it, right? You get this that our desires for other things can come in and choke out the word and make us unfruitful. So literally, that would mean that we would not bear fruit for the kingdom of God because we are so preoccupied with the things of this world. I, sister, I do not want that to be me or you or any of our friends or neighbors or really anyone in the whole world. And so to the degree that we can aim to check our own hearts to make sure that we don't have a heart condition that is full of thorns. And then so that we could be aware of this so that we could go out and and, and inform others, be people who would continue to share and speak the truth so that, that we could link arms with people everywhere and walk into eternity um, pers- to be able to persevere in this life and be able to meet Christ on the other side. That is my hope for us all. Okay. So Mark 4, 18 and 19 just became really personal for me because I realized too in all of that, that I had great, great pride. I had pride because I thought 
And ladies, let me make this clear. If we think that our jobs give us security, they don't. If we think that our salaries give us security, they don't. If we think that our house keeps us safe, I mean, it doesn't. And then if we, y'all, we literally live in the illusion of security and comfort because really God literally holds our lives in his hands. Literally, if we are comfortable, it's because he has made us comfortable. If we are safe, it's because he has allowed us to be safe. If we are provided for, it's not because we've worked hard and climbed the ladder of success, but it's because God has seen fit to provide for us. In all of these things, we need to recognize that our any control that we think we have over our circumstances and our lives is an illusion. Let that sit and marinate on that for a minute. Really, any control that we believe that we have over our lives and over our circumstances is an illusion. You know, the best thing that we can do is petition the Lord in all things and seek first his kingdom, and then he will provide all of the things that we need. And yet that we faithfully fall short of that. All of us do. And so my encouragement to you ladies is to make sure that, and for myself, I want to always make sure that we don't desire the world so much that our primary longings, our primary goals, our primary desires are those things that gratify the flesh. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. I just want to underscore those three little phrases. The desires of the flesh. So everything that our flesh naturally desires. The desires of the eyes. Everything that we see that we would covet or desire and want. And then the pride of life. Our pride. Again, coming back to that, you know, the pride that we would have in ourselves and our careers and our homes and the car that we drive uh, in pride, even in our belief that we actually have control over our circumstances. All of that is not from the father, but it's from the world. And it's all an illusion. Luke 8.15 says this, and this is my prayer for each one of us, that we would not be like one whose fruit does not mature but that our hearts would be like the good soil, those who hearing the word hold it in, a fe- in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. That is my hope for me and for you, sister, and for all, of the, all women all over the world, that we would be able to bear fruit, that the seed, that the, that the word of God would be planted into our hearts and that our hearts would be made of good soil, rich soil, ripe and ready to receive the word of God so that as it's watered and as it's cultivated, that it, it would the roots would grow deep, that we would anchor our nature, our loves, our desires, our everything in the word of God, and that that would become our filter for all things, and that we would then be able to bear fruit. We would become trees, firmly planted, firmly rooted, and then we would bear much fruit with patience. And so that's my hope for me and for you, sister. And then can I encourage you in this? Because I know it's scary. I know the idea. I know that if you have pursued career and if you've pursued education and then career for most of your life, which is probably the reality for most people listening to this podcast, 
And it was the reality for me, too. It is scary as I'll get out to fathom leaving your career. And it is to disciple your children. And it is, uh, it makes you really wrestle. You really very quickly see where your heart is. And then what, which, what you might have made an idol of, what it is. If there are things that you can't let go, then instantly you see your idols. If there are things that you would not want to release some, to be able to disciple your kids. And again, I'm not saying that career is bad or that working is bad or that we can't have loves and passions on the side because, I mean, even in this, I'm enjoying getting to share the God's word and being able to talk to you ladies. And this is something I love to do at the late night hours um, after I spend my days with my kids and with my family. And But I love this. I love work. I love fruitful labor. Work is good. God's given us work to do, and that is good. What's bad is when we create an idol of something that God that would take the place of God or of the things that God has called us to do first and more, most primarily. It's very clear from Scripture that God has called believers to disciple their children, to cultivate a biblical worldview in their kids. And so that needs to be something that we're all aiming to do to the best of our ability, given our circumstances. And if, if you are a part of a two-income earning family and you have the option to lay down your career for a season to disciple your children, then I think that you really need to consider doing it. Uh, because, and then if you, if that really aggravates you and angers you that I would even propose that, I would encourage you to analyze why. What is it about your career that you so desire or cling to that would make you uh, prioritize that over the daily discipleship of your kids? I know that for me, I'll just speak for myself. Homeschooling is not about homeschooling unto homeschooling, right? I'm not trying to do it just to say, yes, we homeschool. No, homeschooling is really under the purview of discipleship for me. I Homeschooling gives me hours with my kids. Homeschooling lets me teach and train and talk about God's word all throughout the day, every day. It lets me discipline my kids by speaking the word of God. It lets me actually study the word of God with my kids. It lets me... Uh, referee fights, but speaking the word of God to my kids so that we literally get to saturate our days and then saturate our hearts and our minds with the word of God. And it comes out of my mouth. It comes out of their mouths. Then we're challenged by it. There are times where, you know, I have to repent before my kids and they see that. And I guess my point is we need to be spending time with our children living out a biblical worldview in order to be able to help them cultivate a biblical worldview. And if our primary pursuit is work and career such that we spend all of our time or the majority of our wakeful hours pursuing career, then we are necessarily not going to have time to disciple our kids or to spend really any meaningful time with our children. And that, so we, we basically leave the cultivation of a biblical worldview up to those who would have them in their care the predominant hours of the week. And between you and I, I bet the majority of those people do not have a biblical worldview. And so I just think that's a sobering thought. And so this would be my encouragement to you. I had a lot of fears as I left my career uh, for the ministry ahead in my home. 
But can I tell you something? The more that you focus on the Lord and what he's called you to, the more that you dig deep into his word and you petition him for strength and perseverance. And man, just to set you ablaze to live for his glory and according to his word and to be about the things that he would prioritize for you for your life. Then it's amazing to me how the more you bring the Lord into the foreground, all of your fears, all of your concerns, all of the things that would bring you anxiety, they fall into the background and they become less overwhelming, less burdensome, man, less prominent in your life as you begin to focus and focus and focus on Jesus. And so that would be my encouragement to you. Go to the Lord in prayer. If you're wrestling, if this, I don't know, strikes you and you're convicted in any way and you're wrestling, I don't know, with some of these ideas yourself with maybe whether or not to come home, whether to transition to part-time work so that you can spend more time with your kids, because that would also be a great option just anything that would give you more time to disciple your children. I think that we all need to be fighting for more time with our kids to disciple them. And we live in a, anyway, period. I think that if we are a believer living out a biblical worldview, then we are uh, rare. And our children need us to disciple them, to teach them, to train them, to love them, and then to equip them to go out into the world. All right, ladies, that's it. This is Christy Young with The Gritty Gospel. I love y'all so much, and we will talk again soon.